0: Are you companions with benefits? Benefits? She's asking if we have sex, uh, Ken. Steve! Oh, d- you know what? You've twisted my armor. We'll have a bite of your cheesy balls. I bet you'd rather have a cup of tea at your age. Look, just because we're knocking on a bit doesn't mean to say we don't enjoy sex. Steve! Well, the flipping sex police, if they want to have sex, let them have sex! Welcome to episode 46 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that would very much prefer Ken and Claudia to keep their horizontal, hokey-cokey shenanigans to themselves, lest Tracy's head explodes. I'm Gavin.
1: And I forgot to put on my Kana sweatshirt. Damn it. I said I was going to wear it, like, every time we do the podcast.
0: That didn't even last one week. <laughs> that lasted zero weeks. <laughs> the other
1: day. I should run off and just... grab it and put it on Anyway, my Kana sweatshirt arrived this week and I couldn't be more chuffed High quality, good stuff
0: It's very nice
1: Thank you Catherine Pierce for for designing such a lovely thing and go get yourself one on the Etsy
0: I just wish I could remember what IDST stood for (sighs) She did explain on the tweet but I can't find it again I could ask her
1: Yeah you could
0: I don't want to seem ignorant
1: I don't, I, I think a lot of people work, a few, it, it's something like, it's something along the lines of this is a love that will last forever, something along those lines, or mm. cannot be broken through tears or something.
0: Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. 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 So Bhavna and Catherine Pierce both liked their tweets about it. And then we had quite a response to me pointing out that the shot of Roy's roles was quite lovely, which really surprised me.
1: Yeah, and also a lot of love for you pointing out that those two scenes on Wednesday this week um, gelled really well together, that the director com- yes. liked and commented.
0: He said, well, that's kind of what I was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. Congratulations, did. it worked. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the the guy that played Paul, plays Paul liked it as well. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, him with his... We ITV Cup in rainbow colours.
0: We haven't updated listeners in a while, but we're slowly approaching a hundred followers on Twitter. It's only taken a year. Woot
1: woot! <laughs> well, we're a lot more active mm-hmm. on the Twitter, both on the Talk of the Street, and then both each of ourselves is are pretty active. I I guess. Are you active on Twitter as yourself? As me, very rarely. Oh, see, I'm pretty active as myself, and I tend to tag you or one of the podcasts and i talk about the podcasts an awful lot in fact do you know who Rafi is no Rafi is a um is a sing is a longtime singer of children's songs he sang a song when i was a child called baby beluga which is nothing like baby shark
0: i don't know what that is either <laughs> it was only this week that i found out what nipsey was
1: uh, who Nipsey was.
0: Yeah, because up until then, Rest Nipsey was definitely a what rather than a who.
1: Yes. Rest in power, Nipsey. Um, but anyway, he he commented something about Coronation Street being rubbish and, and everything. And so I commented and, and said that he should start listening to the podcast. So fingers crossed, Rafi, if you're listening.
0: So Rafi's British?
1: I think he's Canadian.
0: Oh, Maybe Helen knows them. <laughs> Hi, Helen.
1: Yeah, baby beluga, baby beluga, swimming in the deep blue sea. As mm. opposed to baby shark, doo 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 doo, baby shark, doo 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 no, doo. Neither doo-doo.
0: of those things mean anything to me. I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> You're so.
0: <sighs> I'm so on trend
1: <laughs> when it comes to children's music.
0: Big week this week. Yeah. Oh, you finally got notification of my naturalization oath ceremony. Woot woot. But for some reason it's like a two hour drive away at nine o'clock in the morning, which is just Yay. inconvenient. Hey. Woohoo. I get to suit up and boot up. Yeah. Drive to Grand, Grand Haven Haven, yeah. Which is on the Lake on the shore of Lake Michigan.
1: Get the kids out of school for the day.
0: I feel <laughs> kinda of bad about doing that.
1: No, this is this is important. This is important and their teachers gonna love it because I don't think very many of their students have had this experience. So yeah, I have not. a feeling they may want them to talk about it at some point with their with their peers. I think the only one who who might Marvin. Marvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whose dad's from Ghana. Yep. So
0: <laughs> I remember gonna to speak to and this is completely off topic
1: (laughs) this was funny Uh,
0: Benny's teacher got me to go in and speak to them about Scotland so I put together this presentation of (laughs) what is an American thing and what's a Scottish Scottish thing thing. and get them to play this little game kind of like what we did with RP Yes. and uh, when they put up their hands I knew who Marvin was because they played on Benny's soccer team Mm -hmm. so rather than saying yes I would say yes Marvin and he's like how do you know my name? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, could you play soccer? And then, do you have any other questions for me you know, at the end? Do you play Grand Theft Auto <laughs> 4? <laughs> yes. Maybe just a little bit. But do you? Anyway, so.
1: Second grader?
0: Yes, yeah, I was probably second or third grade.
1: Yeah, it was with Mrs. McRae, before she was Mrs. McCrae And then before she moved to Charlotte.
0: Yeah.
1: We miss you, Mrs. McRae. Come she was back. nice. She was nice. She and Mrs. Bogardus, I think, are the two best teachers our kids have ever had. Anyway. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Coronation Street. But it fills in. Now you all can just imagine Gav standing in front of a class of second graders with a Scottish accent. And they're
0: hitting plus 15 seconds <laughs> on, their, talking about on their phones. Plus 15 seconds. <laughs> the plus 15 difference seconds.
1: between a, an electric guitar and a bagpipe.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> of which there are many.
1: <laughs> blue jeans and a kilt.
0: So, and they're podcast two weeks from now, I will be a US citizen.
1: Yeah. Oof, that's just, that's crazy.
0: murka murka Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Our mailbag, Canadian Helen, she says that the RP ring could have been bought from a charity shop or pawnbroker. It could belong to anyone in the world. Better get Manchester's top detective on the case. Craig hasn't been too busy lately.
1: Yeah, so I point. mean... This it, really could is have come worth from anywhere thousands of dollars, though, so charity shop meh.
0: Bridget isn't a happy camper no, this is a real plot spoiler, she says in Western Canada, the plot hasn't got this far, and Rana is still alive. <laughs> i don't want to know the story in advance, and this site just popped up on my ipad oh Oopsie.
1: we are Schrodinger's podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Rana is both alive and dead Until someone <laughs> le- reads the summary notes From last week's show
1: And I mean come on I think I think there's enough spoilers on the Twitter In the, in the Facebook yeah.
0: that Do some reading once in a while Bridget And finally Chris <laughs> Yes that one got Yay! in touch For the first time in quite a while You've just mentioned the excellent scene in which Seb Cops an eyeful of a soaped up Sarah And the subsequent events when he gets home To find a surprise party waiting for him I felt sure you'd comment upon him instantly and shiftily, nipping upstairs for a quick shower, which I, and others, took as a thinly veiled excuse to disappear for a few minutes to bash one out, with the images (laughs) he'd just witnessed still fresh (laughs) in his mind, and indeed scorched on his retina.
1: I don't know, I mean, I think the shrieking and the yelling and the embarrassment might have shriveled him up a wee bit.
0: But I'm so disappointed in myself that this is something that I didn't notice. Because this is something I would totally notice, or I'd to take a it.
1: cold shower so that nobody notices that he's uh, a little excited.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Then again, he is eighteen, so.
0: Some sad news now.
1: Oh no. That's
0: with great sorrow that I I lay the celebrities who share the initials RP segment of this podcast to rest.
1: Boo. I fought, ladies and gentlemen, I fought long and hard to keep it until we ran out completely of my list of RPs, but Gav just, Gav said, Gav said no.
0: What Roy's search for RP has proved longer than the well of famous RP celebrities is deep, or my belief in this segment is strong. So let's drop it and never speak of it again.
1: I mean, I didn't even get to all of the um, Indian politicians with the initials RP.
0: That would have been fun for everyone. (laughs) I didn't go through status quo guitarists, and I didn't go through Ricardo Patrese, the Formula One driver that I thought you were talking about last week. I uh, so we didn't anyway, even
1: get to Raquel Pacheco, or…
0: I don't know who she is either.
1: Or Rossi Palma. That's or just made up. <laughs> or Rupert, Rupert Penry Jones.
0: Nope, no idea.
1: I'm trying to find. Stop
0: looking them up.
1: (laughs) Or Ruslan Pradinikov.
0: You want to take another run at that?
1: (laughs) Rihanna Pratchett. Nope. Is is that is that Rihanna's last name? No. That's no. That is not Rihanna.
0: Hindsight corner. (laughs) Blue, 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 blue. Didn't get anything wrong last week either.
1: Were we speculating about something?
0: Oh, we're allowed to speculate.
1: Yeah, but there was—it was like something that we we could have possibly looked up, like something historical or something.
0: I listened to it again today. It didn't jump out to me. So
1: <sighs> why do we even say hindsight corner when there's nothing in hindsight corner? Just it's kind so of you a can letdown.
0: Do bloop bloop bloop. I could cut the whole thing out, and I probably will. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but then Chris, that one will be disappointed because he likes to hear me say bloop, 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 bloop.
0: And because I'm contractually obliged to ask, what are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking a lovely Josh Cabernet Sauvignon that you bought me. Mm. Even though it's springtime, so we should be moving on to our rosés and our whites.
0: Yeah, there was nothing on the bargain shelf that looked (laughs) any good that was white. And that was actually nine dollars off.
1: I'm I'm bargain shelf now,
0: am I? Nine bucks off. That was like a twenty-five dollar bottle yeah, of wine.
1: Josh is Josh is a pretty good. So pretty shut shop. I got
0: your decent bottle of wine.
1: Yeah, I don't and like. Was economical while doing so. I don't like his ads though, and uh, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, and then I have my key lime Lacroix, which I'm contractually obligated to drink. If only every week. <laughs> what are you drinking? Diet Verner's. Nothing else? Nope. No alcohol? Nope. Don't you have some beers in the fridge? I have
0: some beers in the fridge. I shall have one when I'm done.
1: Aw. Oh, it's so much more fun when you're a little boosted up.
0: <laughs> no, because then I have to like, <laughs> spend twice as long editing this stupid thing.
1: Oh, it's not stupid, ladies and gentlemen. You are not stupid. Oh, it's
0: very stupid at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Let me guarantee you. And I'm going through this second by second trying to... Copy and paste bits that I said clearly one part of the podcast and another bit that I didn't see them clearly. Yeah, it's stupid. Shall we dive in? Yes. So much to get through tonight. Ugh, we have way too an much. extra hour. Now I've tried to slim this down and keep my notes fairly concise. Tough to do. And I think I've done a decent job, but we shall see. So hopefully this will still come in round about the ninety minute, hundred minute mark. Oh fingers crossed. And probably has a better chance of doing so if we lose all the stuff about Benny's teachers. Aw. We're going to start. And we're going to start the week with Tim's heart attack.
1: Tim's. Oh, that's right. Tim had a heart attack this week. Yeah. I forgot all about that because y- y'all. Because
0: because <laughs> this week started about seven months ago or so it feels. <laughs> it
1: kind of feels that way, yeah.
0: On Sunday, Tim's asleep at the switch when Steve comes in. Steve's back. Yay! Yay! Steve tells Tim he's not looking great and Eileen won't be in today. Steve has a family thing for Bertie so Tim's going to have to stay on. Steve will get Tim breakfast to make it up to him. Tim will man the switch, even if it kills him, he says.
1: That's not foreboding at all, is it? Not in the
0: slightest, no. Tim's home looking for indigestion tablets. He thinks he wolfed down his breakfast too quickly. Sally thinks he's looking tired. And then Tim heads back out. He's blaming cramp. No one in soap has cramp.
1: W- what is he cramped?
0: It's <laughs> his arm, I think. Okay. You know, the the sign that you're having a heart attack? Uh, yeah, it's just cramp and indigestion. Yeah. Tina turns up at streetcars looking for a cab and it'll be 10 minutes but Gina notices that Tim is obviously unwell
1: Gina, yeah Who did I say? Well you said Gina once and you said Tina once
0: Oh yeah, and this is me not drinking
1: <laughs> You're better when you're drinking
0: Tim poo-poos it Then Gina is really worried about Tim but he sends her off anyway Get out of my life, says Tim, and don't come back then later on, Tim is home and struggling. Sally chooses to ignore this and suggests they watch the series 2 together.
1: Now, is that supposed to be some sort of Walking Dead knockoff?
0: Yeah, remember when Gino had their uh, Zombie box set a few months ago? It was the name of an episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's weird because you don't see it. It's just like black and white flashes on the some telly.
0: Grainy it's, nonsense. I, lo- I think someone's playing a computer game.
1: It's weird. Mm-hmm. And not very good
0: scares the shit out of Sally.
1: Yeah, to the point where she doesn't notice that Tim's having a heart attack.
0: <laughs> Gina is in a cab heading for the train station, but she looks like she's having second thoughts about leaving. Meanwhile, back on the couch, Tim's clutching his chest and having a really hard time of it, <laughs> while Sally's focused on her zombie TV show.
1: And clutching a pillow.
0: Tim has a very hairy chest.
1: He really does.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh dear, really?
1: You know I like some... A hair on a man.
0: I have not hair one on my chest.
1: You have, you have, quite a few on your belly, though, okay, and, yeah. and on your face. Mm-hmm. So it evens out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't.
1: <laughs> Would you like me to glue some on your chest? You got, you got some, <laughs> like around here.
0: Anyway, around here, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> then Gina comes back insisting that Tim needs to see a doctor and now finally Sally realises how much Tim is struggling
1: yeah well she doesn't she's yelling at Gina then she's like he's fine look at him and then she doesn't double take and she's like oh my god
0: <laughs> so funny so Tim's at the doctors he's had a mild heart attack he's going to be okay but she sends him to the hospital just for a checkup. he thinks he just needs a nap Gina watches on as Tim gets wheeled into a waiting ambulance and Sally sees her and they exchange a look At the hospital, Tim is downplaying the symptoms. He reckons he'll be out in half an hour. Then in the rovers, Gina agrees to hang around with Kev until tomorrow. Well,
1: I mean, for this street, half an hour does sound about (laughs) appropriate for
0: As long as you haven't broken your elbow. Right. You're in and you're out. Any longer than that is going to cause trouble. Kev reassures her that Tim is probably going to be fine. Then Sophie arrives at the hospital. They've chosen not to tell Faye for some reason. Sophie doesn't think Sally can let Gina go now without making up to her, but Sally's got enough on her plate right now, thank you very much. Sally, once again, is blaming herself. Tim's been working around the clock, and she didn't even notice him having a heart attack when he was sitting right next to her. Then Sally is allowed to see Tim. And Tim is okay, but he needs to start taking better care of himself. Sally says, it's salads from now on, and Tim looks like he would rather die.
1: I think he says he'd rather die too, doesn't he?
0: Pretty much. ha! <laughs> On Monday, Tim's home and in the mood for breakfast. He wants a bacon sandwich, but Sally is making him porridge. Tim needs to take the doctor's advice and start eating better. Sally gets a text from Gina, but ignores it. In Roy's Rolls, Kev fills in Gina on Tim's condition. He's had a heart attack. Kev is a visit later and invites Gina along, but Gina thinks it might just be best if she leaves. Kev's brought some chocolate for Tim at home that Sally quickly confiscates.
1: Although she does allow him one.
0: Kev tells them that Gina is worried about them and is leaving today. Sally has nothing to say to her, but Kev reckons she deserves at least a thank you. Sally thinks Kev was right about Gina, and she's going to go and see her. Tim sees this as an opportunity to get wired into a bacon sandwich and more of those chocolates. (laughs) When Sally meets Gina in the street, Sally thanks her for saving Tim's life. They have some awkward small talk, and then the cab shows up. Gina apologises for everything, and Sally asks her to stay. And then, more than that, Sally pays off the cab and sends it on its way, insisting that Gina comes to see Tim. But Tim is at streetcars hanging out with Steve and Dev and getting numbed. To- <laughs> and then getting numbed to get him a bacon butty.
1: Like, and a really big one, too. It's, a it's like a double decker. It's a
0: Scooby Doo bacon butty. Back home, Gina wants to leave, but Sally can't find Tim and wants him to make up. Tim texts that he's having a salad at Roy's. Fat chances, Sally, and yeah. she tells Gina to sit tight and she steals her luggage when she leaves.
1: So Such Tim's a busybody.
0: So Tim's staring at the biggest bacon butty in the world and Sally catches him out. She tells him to get his arse home now, leaving Steve and Dev to go halves on the butty.
1: <laughs> it's so hilarious. The, the three musketeers there, the three of them, are so funny together.
0: Tim and Sally are back home. Gina needs to move on. Sally wants to know what Gina would have said at her funeral. That was morbid. It was. Gina would have said sorry over and over. Roles reversed. Sally would say they always made up and why didn't they fix this when they had a chance? Tim wants to know what they would have (laughs) said at his funeral and they both ignore him. Sally asks Tim to accept Gina's apology which he reluctantly does. And Sally really wants her to stay. And Tim asks again what they would say at his funeral.
1: And once again they ignore him. Yep. Because it's not about you, Tim, even though you're the one who almost died.
0: Well, if it's not about you, Tim, when you had the heart attack. No. <laughs> <laughs> what more does he have to do? But Gina is still leaving. She's happy that they've made up and she thinks they'll be closer with a bit of distance.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: They hug and then Gina gets in the cab telling her she's going to be more sally, more brave. And as the taxi pulls away in the back seat, Gina loses her shit.
1: Yeah, she breaks down. It's just... Heartbreaking.
0: I had no idea she was leaving.
1: I don't think she's leaving forever. I hope not. I think... And the way she tweeted about it and the way this show has it written and stuff, it sounds like she'll she'll be back at least every once in a while, maybe. But it kind of feels like there wasn't much more for that character to do. No. You know?
0: The only thing that she really had that was obvious was...
1: Maybe a relationship with Kev down Correct. the road. Correct. Yeah. Which I would have liked to have seen.
0: Me too. I was always behind this.
1: Yeah, I always thought that was a good idea, but who knows? Maybe, maybe she'll come back at a later date once all this factory stuff is sorted and 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 come back for good and marry Kev and.
0: Because Connie Hyde was a top top actress. Yeah, she's, she's really great. good. And the character that she was playing was really interesting. Being mm-hmm. manic as fuck one minute and yeah. kind of depressed the other. It and wasn't I thought she played up pretty well.
1: Yeah, I wasn't always happy the way that they wrote her mental illness. But, you know, because sometimes it kind of nudged at cliche and stereotypes. But on the whole, you know, I thought it was. A brave thing to do to have someone with a mental with an acknowledged mental illness that she was getting treatment for and everything on and, the street.
0: Yeah, and not only one that she was getting treatment for, but one that she was battling against. Right. You know, it wasn't just here's some pills, six weeks later they're better. Right. It was this was a constant struggle.
1: I think if we had seen a bit more of that struggle, if we had seen her go to the doctors and try to find the right medication, or if she was doing some talk therapy as well. You know, if they made that more than just a description of her character that she mentions every once in a while and she acts manic every once in a while, it it would have been a better service to the show and to being somewhat educational and to the character. But we didn't really get to see an awful lot of that.
0: No. But best of luck, Connie Hyde, and Everything yes. that you do in the future, and hope Keep to in see touch. you back. Yes. Something soon. To- yes. Moving on. Our next story is about Robert, this was just on Sunday. At the Bistro, Billy introduces Chloe to Robert. She's a young offender, and she looks an awful lot like a young non-Irish, Irish Tina.
1: Young and blonde.
0: She has several experience, and then Robert gets a mysterious call. That wine is really strong smelling.
1: It's nice. Mm-hmm. You should have some. No, I'm good. You want a sip? No.
0: Robert oh. asks about shiftily serving Toya and Imran, which they notice. Then Michelle comes in wanting to know if Robert has changed his mind about Ryan, saying that she's going to hire him back once Robert's gone anyway. And there's a weird wee scene where Robert is in the rovers getting changed from Michelle and they're quite snarky at each other and then Robert's expression just drops when he sees Imran and Kate in a booth. Then Michelle goes round to the bistro as Robert is paying Chloe for her efforts. Seems like she's done a decent job. Michelle thanks Robert for filling in so he can sling his hook now thanks. He decides that he's not going to go anywhere. He wants to help young offenders. She thinks that's great. Just go do it somewhere else. But Robert's not for budging. And if Michelle doesn't like it, she'd better lawyer up.
1: Yeah. And this is exactly what should happen. She sh- he sh- shouldn't be able to just kick him out willy-nilly. Get out. Yeah. No, that's not how this works. Mm. <laughs> you, you, oh, you both are co-owners of this business. This isn't how this works. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the the transfer of the business from one person to another requires more than throwing keys at them, I think. Right. Yeah. So this was the only bit that we really saw Robert this week. So this is the only chance that we get to think of how his...
1: Well, that in the
0: memorial. Oh, yeah. With his potential impact on this.
1: I still think... I still think he's got potential for being the... Ninja? Yeah. A roof ninja. Mm Mm-hmm. Because as as much as he seems to really sympathize with Imran and, and Kate and stuff, well, we'll talk about that when we get to the memorial. Yeah, sympathy or guilt. Or a little bit of both.
0: Then the next story is Sinead and Dan- Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> Sinead and Daniel. On Sunday, Sinead is sitting with the baby when Beth comes in with Kirk. Sinead looks pissed off. Beth wants to hold Bertie and Sinead is reluctant. They've got the baby a Bertie t-shirt that Beth claims to have embroidered herself. It's a romper. Daniel checks that Sinead isn't worried about Bertie coming home too soon. Then Steve and Tracy have arrived now. They've also <laughs> got a Bertie shirt, but it was custom made.
1: No, it's a blanket.
0: It's a blanket?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Tracy and Steve, bring a blanket, but that's also embroidered.
0: Beth gives Tracy a hard time about this, despite them supposedly being besties until quite recently. And mm-hmm. come Ken and Claudia. Claudia got a baby monitor, and Ken just got a cheque. Nice one, Ken.
1: Yeah, Ken seems that seems to be Ken's thing this week is is giving money as gifts.
0: Yep. For some reason, this puts Beth's nose out of joint. Then Claudia is a bit of a snob about the other gifts and the size of the flat and stuff.
1: Well, she she calls them dirty. She sits on them. And then she calls them dirty baby clothes, even though they're they're clean. Mm -hmm. And Beth and Kirk are out of work. So (laughs) Beth and Kirk are out of work. You know, so they don't have an awful lot of money to be buying gifts and stuff. And so I think that's what... So Beth is feeling self-conscious that their little onesie is not as nice as a blanket and then doubly not as nice as the really expensive baby monitor. Because it's a... It's a video baby monitor. It's not just an audio one. So it's really expensive.
0: So the men set up the baby monitor in the bedroom. There's still no picture and they can't work it out. Then Beth goes off to change the baby's nappy. And while she's in the bedroom, they get it to work.
1: Yeah, by turning on the remote. Yes.
0: (laughs) And everyone hears Beth talking shite about Claudia to Bertie. Hears and sees. And wishes Ken luck with the snooty old cow. (laughs) So Beth comes back and finds out that her slating of Claudia was broadcast to everyone. Kirk thinks that they should leave. Daniel goes to get the food. Ken sets the record straight. He and Claudia are just good friends, which offends Claudia further.
1: Yeah, because this is the first time that he's insinuated that they're just good friends.
0: And then Claudia decides that this is as good a time as any to talk about all the offers for getting the hole that she's
1: getting. Yeah. They're,
0: They're lining up. Apparently.
1: Apparently. Apparently, Claudia can get it.
0: Yep. Claudia and Ken are arguing about which term to use to describe their relationship, which results in Claudia openly talking about her and Ken's sex life, which makes everyone throw up in their mouths a little bit.
1: Especially Tracy.
0: Tracy reacts very badly to this, yeah. Yes, she does. Daniel and Sinead leave this disastrous party asking Kirk to keep an eye on the baby, which Kirk literally does.
1: Yes, he stands right by the baby and stares S- at him.
0: Stands over it quite spookily, I think. You wouldn't want to look up and see that, I don't think.
1: Eh, I've seen worse. And Daniel
0: and Sinead have got more wine and she's worried now that she's had the baby and got home from hospital that she's missing these little goals that she's been setting herself. And maybe that's what's been keeping her going. She has more treatment this week and what's going to happen to Daniel and Bertie if it doesn't work? Daniel, for no good earthly reason, is convinced everything will be fine. And then Daniel has had a brilliant idea. (sighs) Back at the flat, everyone thinks Claudia should leave. She's getting on everybody's tits. Ken says that she's not helping herself. Then Daniel and Sinead come back in. They're going to have a christening. This is a brilliant idea. And they ask Beth and Tracy to be godparents. And they're also going to ask Chesney. So they all toast. Can you
1: imagine if something happened to Daniel and Sinead? The fight that would go on for that baby between Beth and Tracy. Mm-hmm. And Portesi would just be not like not
0: a chance. They all toast Bertie and they end up waking them up. so later Ken and Claudia are in the rovers and Claudia's a snob to Beth and Kirk, and Ken tells her off. Then they talk about the relationship more and Claudia would like to refer to themselves as a couple. Thank you very much.
1: Yes. Yeah, Ken's just like, you know I'm not just demonstrative blah 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 and she's like you know i just moved into this neighborhood for you Mm -hmm. you cranky old bastard you're you're good that you you're lucky that you're good in the sack oh that's i can't imagine why else she would be with him he must be good in the sack because he's Just, not good company.
0: certain things that you don't want to imagine.
1: He's, he's not good company. Remember, remember, list. he won't let her speak until he's done with his crossword. Yep. Ted <laughs> Barlow. Face of the patriarchy.
0: Then on Monday at the Barbers, Sean has taken a, an allergic reaction to the aftershave or whatever. He claims that they might have ruined his life.
1: Yeah, because he was supposed to have a hot date.
0: Yep. David has a look at the beard oil and it seems to be pumped full of chemicals. Sinead is in there for some reason and reckons that she can help.
1: Sinead is there to make an appointment for Daniel.
0: Because Daniel can't make an appointment for himself. Well,
1: remember earlier she was speaking to David and she said to David that she was going to pop around to make an appointment for Daniel because Daniel is really busy with school and work and everything.
0: But has time to get his hair cut. But doesn't have time to make an appointment to get his hair cut. Shut up. Give her an hour, she says. So Daniel's at Roy's Rolls got time for fucking Roy's Rolls as well, apparently. Shoosh, your mouth. With Bertie when Chesney comes in, Daniel asks Chesney to be godfather, and Ches is made up about it.
1: Yeah, at first he's like, are you sure?
0: I'm really boring. Are you sure you want me Well, that's exactly
1: why he would make a good godfather, (laughs) because he's really boring.
0: Then David and Nick are in Roy's Rolls when David gets a text from Sinead who, of course, has David's number, telling him to meet her in the Rovers later and reminding him that she has cancer, so don't even think about standing her up.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That was funny.
0: So Sinead is meeting David and Nick in the rovers. She's made some beard oil. David reckons that this is bang on brand. He wants more samples and a price list. Daniel doesn't think this is a good idea.
1: And Sinead tells him to shut the fuck
0: up. Yep. That's pretty much what got written down. (laughs) Sinead needs something normal to do, so go fuck yourself, she says. Yes. That's as far as we get with that. Yes. I'm hoping this isn't going to be a thing. Why? Because it's just dull need supplying beard oil to David's Well, she's farmers. making it
1: herself and it's organic and it's nice and well, it's, it's good that she has something to do, but I'm sure it's not going to be something that we talk about every week.
0: I, I hope not. But there's other things that we talk about this week that I had thought we would never be talking about again.
1: Well, it's because some things, some things take time oh. to grow <laughs> and blossom.
0: And or m- not. Mature. Tim's dad.
1: Not yet. Okay.
0: <laughs> Our next story is about Paul and Billy. You still have so much to get
1: through. Yeah, so let's hurry up.
0: On Monday, Summer and Paul are chatting about Billy. Summer knows the two of them like each other, but they just won't admit it. Yeah, there's some bits bits and pieces of this that bleed into other things that I could have probably made a better job of Mm -hmm. splitting out. So Chesney's house is a state thanks to Lazy Gemma, who's on sick leave. She has an unfortunately shaped dinosaur toy in her hands and is grabbing it by the neck, which doesn't make it look any less unfortunate.
1: It's a brachiosaurus.
0: It looked like a booby. <laughs> well, it's because you
1: didn't notice the rest of the body. To
0: tidy up their plates.
1: you're a dirty, dirty man. Which
0: seems to involve licking her plate clean and then putting it in the... In the rack. In the rack, yeah. So gross. In Roy's Rolls, Summer gives Billy a hard time about Paul. Paul was just defending Billy. That's why Billy apparently has kind of cooled in the whole idea. The two of them like each other. They should just get on with it. Then Gemma is sitting with Joseph, who doesn't have to go back to school after his dentist visit, and she's about to subject him to the Nightmare on Elm Street. Then the police seem to be knocking at the door, but it's not the police. It's Paul. April Fool, you bass. He's in the mood for watching Poltergeist or something.
1: Yeah, because that's exactly what you want to show a six-year-old child. Yep. Yay!
0: Then Paul and Joseph are in Roy's roles, and Joseph borrows a bottle of ketchup. This is riveting stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Is it weird that Paul is like one character when he's with Billy and another character when he's with Gemma?
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Chesney comes home to find a bloodied Gemma tied up in the backyard. He goes to call the police. Then Paul, Joseph and Gemma shout April Fool and Chesney pretends to laugh but is secretly thinking he wouldn't be getting this shit with Emma. Which he wouldn't. He really wouldn't. Yeah. And then he tells Gemma that he didn't think this was funny at all and he stomps off. Paul's at the bar chatting with Rita. He's thinking about moving on. He has nothing here anymore and nothing's happening with Billy and Gemma tries to apologise to Chesney but he looks like he's had enough of her shite. <sighs> and then the story finishes with a perfectly uh, framed shot of the returned ketchup bottle left on the pavement outside Roy's Rolls with Roy just standing looking at it wondering, where the fuck did that come from?
1: Well that's not, not the end because then we have Paul and and Billy converging on the street. That's
0: that's on Wednesday.
1: Oh, okay. So that's just Monday. Really? That's all that happened on Monday? All
0: that happened on Monday. God. I think I have these better sorted out now. Okay. Just a fucked up Monday. Uh Uh-huh. On Wednesday, Billy is in Roy's holds with Summer. She gives him a hard time about getting his hole off of Paul. She's obsessed with getting the two of them together.
1: I think she'd like Paul as a stepdad.
0: At the cabin, the paper boy has texted in sick. Paul is in there and he offers to do a few shifts for them. Brian takes him up on it and hands over the bag. A job's a job, says Rita. Start spreading the news, says Brian. And Rita genuinely seemed to crack up at that.
1: <laughs> Start spreading the news.
0: I think Brian might have ad-libbed that.
1: Paul's leaving today. <laughs>
0: There's a lovely shot of Paul and Billy on the opposite sides of the street, but it looks like they're miles and miles apart. Mm-hmm. And they have some truly awful flirting about paper rounds. And after it's done, Summer tells Billy that he really needs to work on his bants.
1: Yeah, because it it made it seem like he was talking down to Paul for being a paper boy.
0: Mm -hmm. And wise rolls, Summer is still nagging Billy about Paul. She tells him he needs to move fast if his pish patter is anything to go by. (laughs) And then Paul and Gemma are are playing darts in the rovers later on. Gemma tells him to take the paper round thing seriously and not to let Rita down. And then he gets a text from Rita. She needs him back at the cabin. Slave driver this one, he says. So Paul goes round to the cabin and Rita wants him to show the ropes to the new paper boy. But the new paper boy is Billy. (laughs) Ha ha. And now there's a lovely little complimentary shot to the one earlier with Billy and Paul now walking together down the middle of the street. Having a lovely wee chat. And they go and have a pint in the Rovers.
1: You know, everybody's just really lucky that there isn't an awful lot of traffic on this street.
0: Next to nothing. Next to nothing.
1: <laughs> unless unless somebody has to get run over or something. Sure.
0: <laughs> Paul is very interested in dating Billy. He's even got rid of the grinder from his phone. Billy promises to remove the stick from his backside. That was an unfortunate <sighs> phrase, wasn't it?
1: It really was.
0: <laughs> and the two of them start to winch.
1: Which was lovely. I, I was like, "Oh, he's and that's so as cute."
0: As far as we get with that little part of that storyline, you
1: know what's funny? The actor who plays Billy he he tweeted after after the show that that his mum called him and said
0: <laughs> <She just laughs> said something mumish, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she said
1: that you you know she congratulated him on a job well done, and then she said it's just a shame that Billy gets more action than you do <laughs> to her son. Which <laughs> is a very mum thing to say.
0: <laughs> at least your characters getting this whole.
1: Yeah, I don't see you getting married anytime soon. Jeez,
0: nice one, <laughs> mum. So the other branch of that whole storyline from uh, Monday kind of goes off in a different direction here, under the form of the quiz.
1: Oh yeah, which was at the quiz and then the washing machine yeah yeah.
0: so Wednesday Chesney's Gemma's tidying up oh I wanted to say Uh, do you think that the this Billy and Paul thing's going to have legs I think isn't it
1: yes I hope so they're so cute together I really like this this pairing it's an interesting dynamic I'm wondering about the fact that Sean lives with Billy if that's going to
0: does he still live there
1: I assume so we haven't seen him we haven't seen him move out we never see him there but i i believe sean is still living there so even though sean and billy have no interest in rekindling the relationship i'm wondering if and 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 sean has kind of been pushing billy and paul together as well making comments and stuff has he? yeah yeah he's been making comments to paul oh so and actually i think he's yeah there was one time that he made a comment to billy as well i'm just wondering if there might be some tension there anyway even yeah. though they're not really, you know that's the only thing that I can imagine that would
0: There'll be tension from somewhere and if it doesn't <gasps> exist they'll invent it. I didn't mean it like that I didn't mean it like that because the stick has been removed from his backside now remember <laughs> so any tension that was there is now gone
1: I feel like I need a shower after this episode.
0: <laughs> now, now be a good lad and throw that stick away and <laughs> at the canal at Chesney's Gemma's tidying up and taking Joseph to school. Apparently what they like to do is they count the dog shit on the way. Chesney's still smarting about the April Fool thing, and Gemma and Joseph seem to have developed a special handshake. Yeah. Which is both sweet and worrying.
1: It's it's cute the relationship between Gemma and the Wee Boy.
0: But I think where Ches is coming from is my son has a really good relationship with this utter piece of trash. <laughs> Hey, hey, Mm.
1: hey, hey. She hasn't killed anybody and she hasn't stolen money from her grand.
0: Oh, she killed that old lady, remember?
1: But she didn't really.
0: Remember when the show had us believe that she killed somebody?
1: Very briefly. But still, there are worse people on the street who act a lot more posh. So I think we can cut Gemma a little slack.
0: Gemma and Mary and Rita and Brian are in the cabin listening to a quiz show on local radio. Brian, it seems, has been banned from playing these games by the radio stations. Both keb- of them. At the kebab, at the kebab <laughs> shop, Cathy is explaining to Gemma how Brian has been banned from the phone-ins on the two stations now for being obnoxious to the hosts. Shame, <laughs> out, the thing is, he's quite good at trivia.
1: If only there were three radio stations. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> if only they could pick up the hospital radio. <laughs> but nah, you need to be in hospital to get that. That's right. Gemma has had an idea. Chesney is in the florist buying flowers for Gemma, and Mary is live on the radio on that quiz thing. She's head to head with Gemma, who's secretly being coached by Brian at the kebab shop, and she's put on the posh accent and, and
1: referring to herself as Jemima.
0: Jemima, yeah. Gemma realizes that she's up against Mary, but Mary has no clue.
1: No, because she's also saying that she's not. She's not saying that she's on Weathersfield. In Weathersfield, she says she's somewhere else. Yeah,
0: somewhere else. I can't remember where.
1: But but Chesney recognizes immediately Gemma's voice and gets very upset and does not buy the flowers and yep. walks out.
0: Chesney goes round to the kebab shop and Cathy tries to usher him back out but he sees the scam going on as Brian writes down the answer in a pizza box. Chesney is disgusted. You know that a little bit louder? <laughs> Do they have pizza in the kebab shop? Oh, of course. Well, it's a pizza box. You don't need to have pizza in a pizza box. Wouldn't
1: it be then called a kebab box?
0: No. Because it's a pizza box. It's meant to have pizza in it. It's got a picture of a pizza on it. Oh. It's just been used... For kebab. Yeah. And oh, lots and lots of other lovely things. Right, yeah. bakoras and mm, onion rings. Dear
1: Americans, when we're referring to kebab, it's not shish kebab. So it's not you know, pieces of meat stuck on a steak. Think this of is real
0: kebab. Thinner sliced euro meat. Yeah. With chilli sauce rather than tzatziki. On, on
1: like a um, naan. Yeah, like on a big massive naan. Or also pizza. Yeah. With lots of other lovely oh, stuff just so piled much. up on it. And it's this just is so much. Uh, if only we could find some on this side. I bet you could get it in
0: Detroit. But that means getting Probably. out of the car in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiebreaker question. This is for £1,000. Who was Elizabeth I's younger half-brother? Edward VI prompts Brian, and it's right. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, says Mary. And Gemma's won a grand.
1: Yeah, and the radio, the DJ says, Language, Mary. How dare you say fudge on this radio station?
0: Gemma's already got her share of the money and Chesney is appalled. Mary is a good friend and he doesn't like cheating. Then Mary comes into the rovers and complains to Gemma about losing the quiz and she seems to confess to sexually assaulting members of the Irish boy band Westlife. (laughs) Gemma can't take this anymore (laughs) and has something to tell Mary.
1: That whole thing with Mary was just... Cause she's there and she's fine and then she's not fine and then she just it's, it's, her story just gets crazier and crazier the more she goes on and on about how she, every time she almost wins something and then she doesn't it was so funny it was so good and I, I was almost not distracted by the fact that gemma was dressed as a disco ball
0: yeah she was what i liked about that scene was what I like about this type of scene with Mary quite a bit. She never seems to take a breath. She tends to ask for something else in the middle of the story, uh-huh, and in this one she ordered a drink mm-hmm. without missing a beat and without stopping yep. talking about and said so thank the you for it
1: and took a drink without really mm-hmm. Do you think some of that's ad libbed? Do you think they they just tell her to just go nuts?
0: I get the impression that it feels very natural, yeah. It's either way. It's incredible. I I I think I would prefer it to be ad libbed.
1: She's just brilliant. She just rests on it. She's She's got got such good comedic timing. Mm -hmm. I really remember when she was flossing.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's still my favorite thing. Gemma has called over Kathy and Brian and the Rovers. They're busted. Mary is very disappointed in all of them, but especially Kathy. They agree to share the money with uh, Mary and Kathy and Brian, agreeing to donate the cash to charity. Gemma makes no such promise.
1: That's correct.
0: Then Chesney and Gemma are discussing what what they're doing now with the money. He's still pissed off with her and he storms out when she can't divide a thousand by three in her head.
1: Uh, Although I don't think it's the mass that makes him storm out.
0: No. He's
1: just mad that she still wants to keep it because it's still cheating. Still ill-gotten gains. And she still doesn't seem to understand that it was cheating. And she makes she makes an almost good argument about the fact that by the accident of her birth she grew up somewhere with a poor education system that wasn't her fault so if she's up against somebody in a quiz who had a better start in life and a better education is it really cheating
0: yes (laughs) it is still still really cheating
1: cheating, but it was it was an impressive argument for someone like Gemma to make
0: then on Friday morning, Almost too good. Gemma has her headphones on listening to Portugal the Man and can't hear Joseph shouting at her or hear the washing machine which is doing its level best to escape the kitchen. Chesney runs down, annoyed that she was oblivious, and he floods the kitchen door when he opens the overloaded machine. If it's fucked, Gemma will use her quiz winnings and she promises never to do laundry ever again. Cause nice that was the one, point. Gemma. Yeah. Then later, Gemma and Paula are in Roy's roles talking about how she screwed up yet again. He suggests getting a replacement from Hong Kong Stewie. But she thinks that he has a reputation for shite goods. But he is cheap, says Paul, and Paul says it'll be fine.
1: Hong Kong Stewie. Can you imagine what do you um, think what do you think Hong Kong Stewie looks like?
0: He's certainly not of a Hong Kong persuasion. It's just because his name's Stewie, which rhymes with Hong Kong Fui. I think that's pretty much as far as it goes. It just feels a little strange, doesn't it?
1: It it feels just just on the border of being (laughs) (laughs) racist.
0: Then Cerberus has attacked the rabbit on Ruby's Easter bonnet. Evelyn is unapologetic and says the teeth marks add character.
1: Oh, is that what that's supposed to be? An Easter bonnet? Yeah. I thought it was just like Crazy Hat Day at school.
0: (laughs) Well, by any other name, that's what Easter bonnet day is. Crazy Hat Day (laughs) at school. Then along come Chesney and Joseph. Evelyn is surprised to see that he's also wearing an Easter bonnet too. Do the little boys participate in this? And Chesney's very much so. He's put a lot, he's put a lot of work into it.
1: Evil Gran is just, just on the border of homophobic no, no, no. Not there. on the
0: border. She goes over the border when she says, so long as he doesn't get a taste for it. And then she wanders off. Old people. and <laughs> their homophobic ways.
1: Yeah, but there have been other times that she seemed quite liberal about other things. So that kind of surprised me. And she she seems to be okay with Sean.
0: Oh, that's totally selective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Although she did she did say something kind of homophobic to Sean when, at one point. She referred to him as you people or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gemma
0: and Paul have picked up something from Hong Kong Stewie and it's in the back of the works van. It's a present for Chesney. It's
1: covered in tarp. Rita so sticks her name
0: it. in, so Gemma tells her to pop into the house, stick the kettle on and we'll give you a demo. So we get the idea at this point. This ain't a washing machine. At the kebab shop, Tyrone's got a text from Mary. Joseph won the Easter bonnet competition after all. Hooray!
1: Huzzah!
0: Chesney reveals that they spent three days working on it and had been to the Stockport Heart Museum to do some research.
1: Oh, that's so cute. Tyrone's such a good dad.
0: Competitive dad. He's Mary's a good dad. Mary's going to take both kids out for dinner. Then in comes Evelyn to complain about the noise that's coming from Chesney's house. It's not just noise that's coming from Chesney's house. There's smoke coming out of Chesney's house as well. And, and loud. Orange lights and that make
1: fl- us think that
0: the place is on fire. Yeah. And loud dance music. Chesney doesn't have his key because apparently Gemma was wasn't planning on leaving the house today, so he and Tyrone have to burst through the door. And it's not smoke. It's dry ice. And Paul and Gemma are having a rave in Chesney's front room.
1: Yeah, it's a smoke machine. It's not dry ice.
0: Give me fucking strength, says Chesney.
1: I'm sorry. You leave the house every day. I rarely leave the house. Yes, you. You always take your keys.
0: Well, they're attached to my car keys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But still, even if they weren't, even if you walked to work, you'd probably still take your keys with you, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. Because what happens if I come back and you're not here?
1: (laughs) Right. What the hell, Chesney? I I expected better of you.
0: This isn't the end of this odd little plot point. Yeah. Chesney kills the music, which kills the groove, and Gemma fails to see why anyone would be annoyed by this. And then Rita thanks Gemma for the tea, and she leaves. Because she's apparently been sitting there this whole time quite the thing.
1: Yeah, she's probably- she was uh, she was doing some dirty dancing herself, apparently.
0: You were supposed to get a washing machine, but Hong Kong's Stewie was sold out and Paul is going to take a look at the washer. But he's not qualified, and Chesney needs a functioning washer-dryer so he can do Joseph's laundry. Chesney says it's like living with a toddler here, and if she wanted to surprise him, she could do that by starting to grow up. You can stick Ouch. your smoke machine and your fancy disco lights up your arse, right, right up, up your arse. arse. And Chema leaves, saying if she stays, she's going to do something that he'll regret, and he's never been so sure of anything in his life. <laughs> Random fact of the week: we haven't actually established that his washer dryer is fucked. No, it's just just taking a look at it.
1: It's just it just flooded because it was overstuffed. Mm-hmm. And banging around.
0: There will be another random fact of the week next week. Tyrone is fixing Chesney's door. He slams it shut and it's locked. Chesney describes living with Gemma as a stressful environment and not something that is good for Joseph. There was pizza crust in the toilet for fuck's sake. Ew. He can't leave. He can't live like this. And then they realise that they've locked themselves out again.
1: <laughs> Comedy <laughs> gold.
0: Yep. In the Rovers, Gemma tells Rita and Paul, Paul that she was just trying to bring some fun into the house. Rita explains that Chesney takes his responsibilities as a single dad very seriously. He needed that washer to take care of his son's laundry, but he got a smoke machine and disco lights instead. If you can't appreciate that, maybe you should call it quits.
1: Yeah, and she also describes that Chesney's idea of a good time is watching something that kind of sounds like... a Bargain Hunt. ...antiques roadshow or something. It's
0: Bargain Hunt. David Dickinson and some students or old people usually go around car boot sales finding with £100 to spend.
1: Uh, so like flea market finds, where then they, they have to flip it and sell I it for more? If, I don't
0: know if it's like that. It's yeah. Bargain Hunt and that's what Bargain Hunt is. Yeah. Sounds like it.
1: Sounds like something I'd watch.
0: Oh totally. Mary is at home with the kids. She spies the smoke, the smoke machine and lights and starts a rather lengthy anecdote about being in a discotheque in Gozo, which is in Malta. With a young fisherman named Elias and an overpowering aroma of anchovies.
1: Yes, and his, his skin was the colour of... oh God, Teak. Teak. Yeah. And then she...
0: She's kind of fond on the disco light switcher. She
1: grabs the disco lights with both hands just like thump. And she's massaging them as she's telling this story and I'm just like, Mary, there are children here.
0: That noise, by the way, was Thump. Oh, it was oh, there's a W in there. didn't know yes. that the first thing. By the last dance, she was breathing through her mouth. When the smoke machine came on, it was quite magical. And the kids want to turn it on, and Ches reluctantly agrees, and then smiles nervously while everyone else has fun doing what Gemma was doing earlier.
1: Yeah, with the music slightly not as loud, and, and they leave the lights on so it's not dark and, and confusing. Yeah. And
0: Gemma and Chesney meet up outside the snooker <laughs> hall. Chez apologises for being uptight, then Gemma chucks her chips onto the street, jumps into his arms, wraps her legs around him, and he carries her off to get their hole. But he he came from the right, and she came from the left, and then they both exited to the left, which I would have thought would have been away from Chesney's house. But they go back to Chesney's house, all right.
1: Oh, God, they do. Because
0: next we see.
1: Oh, I don't even want to think about it anymore. Two
0: of the whitest bodies in the world.
1: <laughs> I. Go! Oh. And. You don't. Remember when I was complaining about Peter's bare chest? We've seen far too many bare chests this week.
0: We saw Daniel's a few weeks ago. Oh, and that, was, God. that was far too much and that was oh, on for about
1: and That was 10 pretty minutes. white as well.
0: Yeah, we we got we got some look at nipple.
1: We got some Tim. And at least Tim has the decency to have massive amounts of chest hair, so so you know he's masculine.
0: Oi. <laughs> Post-hole, <laughs> Gemma and Ches talk about sticking together.
1: You're not as white as Chesney. He's Chesney. felt
0: it tougher than he expected, but she's just being herself. It feels wrong a lot of the time, but he knows she gets them. Rita told Gemma they can use her washer for now, and she's going to save up for a new one with extended warranty. And the idea of an extended warranty gets Chesney's motor going again.
1: Yeah, he gets really horny over that extended warranty. And
0: so they get their hole for a second thing.
1: Well, under their American flag blanket, it, it just...
0: That's against the code, isn't it?
1: It is. It's against the code. Somebody call (laughs) (laughs) Trump.
0: So I guess we spent so long waiting for uh, Chesney and Gemma to get together that they finally get together and the first thing we try and do is force them apart again and now they're back together.
1: And see, I made the point and actually Tyrone and um, Chesney when they're talking kind of make the point. It's like, you knew it was a snake when you picked it up, kind of kind of mm. thing. <laughs> but Chesney makes the point that, you know, knowing somebody and living with somebody can be two different things. Correct. But you knew she was kind of a sloppy person.
0: Yeah, he'd spoken to her. <laughs> he'd you know? seen her eat. Yeah. He'd got his whole of her before.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Rita's house was always clean because, as, as Gemma oh, yeah. said, Rita would never tolerate some of the stuff that she's doing there that she thinks she can get away with because she's getting her hole.
0: Yep. And Chesney, I guess, is too scared to bring the topic up.
1: Right. Although he does, eventually.
0: Eventually, but, but that time he's furious.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So, oh yeah, I guess we'll see where that's going. So, our next story is Tim's dad's broad beans.
1: Oh, God. I just want... To- <laughs> How many times are we going to say it tonight? It, Can we only uh, say it once?
0: It, that, yeah, that's the law.
1: All right, fine. So we may we may as well just. Should we wait until the end, or should we just get it over with? Well,
0: why don't why don't you choose the one that you think is most appropriate? <sighs> that's just the whole thing. Because like eight months ago,
1: it, in September,
0: there was a couple of scenes, and it was no more than a couple of scenes. Yeah, where they decide that they're going to renovate the community garden. Right. And they're going to do some planting of vegetables and stuff. Right. And Brian and Tim's dad, for no good reason, were kind of in competition with each other and Tim's dad sabotaged Brian's little allotment. Yes. And that was it. Yeah. Where he dug his
1: seeds out and threw them away and like put stones in instead or something.
0: And we never heard of it again
1: until this week. Yeah. You'd think You'd think Brian would have noticed before now that nothing was coming up.
0: We're asked to believe that he did, but just hasn't mentioned it.
1: Hmm.
0: So Wednesday, Tim's dad makes several unnecessary puns about his broad bean uh, crop that seems to turn out a bit shit. Tim's dad then goes over to Brian to tell him about his broad beans. Brian's haven't even sprouted yet. Tim's dad says he'll bring some beans over later. Tim's dad has bought some broad beans from the shop and is passing them off as his. I have no idea why he's going to such lengths.
1: Because, oh, and then Tim's right, dad, I'm not, not going to say it. Not, not yet. I'm not going say it.
0: Then Tim's dad gives Brian his broad beans. Thanks very much, says Brian.
1: Oh, well, these are brilliant. That That's them. so lovely. Thank you so much.
0: That'll show him, says Tim's dad.
1: Because he's such a oh, oh strength, strength.
0: <laughs> then on Friday, Brian and Tim's dad are examining his beans. There aren't any. Even though they use the same soil and the same methods, Tim's dad, although they haven't used the same methods, Tim's dad consistently produces results. Tim's dad says it's all in the planting and sows by instinct. He thinks Brian's seeds died of loneliness.
1: Yeah, they're not close enough together and they're not close enough to the top of the soil. And do you have to yell at them or you don't yell at them? You speak fondly to them.
0: And Tim's dad is giving Brian dodgy advice. He has them planted on top of each other and some of them are just lying on the surface. He encourages Brian to go through a loud mantra to his seeds three times a day.
1: Instead of lecturing them.
0: Tim's dad tells Brian to go off to get a cuppa and while he's gone, he goes about sabotaging the wee allotment again, throwing all the seeds away. But this time he's caught by Yasmin. You've got some explaining to do, Tim's dad, she says.
1: Wait, cause... Okay keep going, keep going.
0: Brian's back with tea and he bums up Tim's dad. Brian's seeds may as well not even have been in there, but he thinks he'll have more success this time with Tim's dad's help. Yasmin is absolutely positive that he will. Then with Brian out of the way, Tim's dad realises that he's in the doghouse about this. Yeah, he is. In the rovers, Tim's dad explains that Brian is pompous and needs brought down a peg or two and he thought that she liked his sense of humour.
1: Bullying is not a sense of humour, Tim's dad.
0: When it's benign, she says. But this was cruel and deceitful. It's beans, says Tim's dad. You think she's totally overreacting?
1: And she's not, because it's not just beans. It's beans that Brian has bought to plant. That Brian has spent time taking care of, or he thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. And this is this isn't just like a bit of fun, and,
0: and this is the same fucking problem I had with Tim's dad a few weeks ago when he's been passive aggressive. with Yasmin has been about getting his hole. Remember? Yeah, he was horribly passive aggressive with her. And he's passive-aggressive, we're again here.
1: Right, yeah, he's kind of trying to gaslight her into, oh, it's not that bad what I'm doing, being horrible to this person because I think he's pompous. Not that I'm pompous, because I'm not pompous. It can't be me who's pompous.
0: And maybe if it was so, such a bad thing, maybe maybe moving in was a bad idea. Maybe I should think about moving back out again. And she's like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. I wasn't thinking about doing that. <sighs> Tim's dad.
1: What a f- fucking tit. I feel so much better now.
0: She just wants him to apologise. He admits that he shouldn't have wound Brian up. Then in comes Brian. Let's get this over with. Yasmin and Tim's dad approach Brian and he eventually confesses about Brian's broad beans. But Brian doesn't take it very well at all. He calls it spiteful. And an argument is about to break out when Yasmin plays Peacemaker and says Tim's dad knows that he's done wrong and is sorry. Tim's dad offers to buy Brian a pint, but Brian wants that apology, which Tim's dad begrudgingly gives
1: yeah and brian's not wrong it is spiteful brian's had a horrible year he was severely bullied at work Mm -hmm. just started doubting himself feeling awful and everything and tim's dad was aware of this he was there every step of the way Mm -hmm. so why if you know that this guy who is supposedly your friend has had an awful year why would you keep up with this? Why would you continue to think this is hilarious? You know.
0: And as well, he says to Brian that I only wind you up because I only wind up my friends. I only play practical jokes on my friends, so you know that you're my friend if I'm doing this right. And I was like, that's just the mantra of the bully, isn't it? It
1: really is. And let's remember before that, you know, he was talk. He was telling Yasmin that it Brian had it. Coming because he's so pompous.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Tim's not doesn't think Brian's his friend. No. He's
1: he's Yasmin's friend. Yeah. Because Cassie's Yasmin's friend. I don't know. And it's just, Tim's not like this. Uh. Tim's not very bright. (laughs) And Tim seems to really care about people and not really be passive-aggressive. He can be aggressive-aggressive. He's
0: more upfront, Yeah.
1: Yeah. He must get that from his mum.
0: You see what you get with Tim. But with Tim's dad, see that's the amateur magician. <laughs> that's what that is. Just can't trust it. No. Fucking hate Tim's dad. Yeah. What a tit. Our penultimate storyline for tonight.
1: Oh thank God. Well don't get really? too excited.
0: Don't get too excited.
1: <laughs> really? Are we almost done? No. I mean we have two stories left. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure we had more than that. Nope. Oh well, let's continue.
0: This is the barbers and this is only on Friday. Now the barber's Natalie has been in touch. Nick needs her off his back, so David says he'll have to take her on. They're short-staffed, after all, this makes sense, but Nick wants rid of her once and for all. And David's like, hmm, what do you mean by that? He says he'll find the cash. Then in comes Natalie looking for that job again. David doesn't have money, and Nick is in meetings.
1: He just has a bologna sandwich.
0: And he's trying to sort out the cash. She seems more interested in getting a job, but he can't agree without Nick's agreement. Natalie isn't as coked out of her tits as she was last time. But But she's she's still a little weird. She's definitely had a couple of bumps before she came in and she imitates an organ grinder's monkey and then hugs and kisses David when he agrees to give her a week's trial. That was weird. Then Leanne comes into the barbers and sees Natalie sweeping up. Leanne's like Oi oi, aren't you Nick's solicitor? But she admits that she wasn't and Leanne thanks her but I've kind of worked that out for myself yeah she cooks up this story on the spot about working for a hair transplant which was
1: amazing (laughs) David's agreeing with her they're building off of one another for this whole story and it's so funny
0: she came back into town that time for a consultation Leanne's confused how she knew so much about his business and his divorce but Natalie says that's part of what you do when you have a customer who wants a procedure. You learn a little thing about them, what's mm-hmm. driving them. Right. But when he was in the surgery, not in the sales and then Nick had changed his mind anyway so that's why she's here, just for a change and Leanne completely falls for it.
1: Right, because you know because she also insinuates that Nick didn't want Leanne to know that, she was thinking, that he was thinking about getting plugs. Yep. Which is just so funny.
0: In comes Nick to the barbers and is shocked to see Leanne sitting so cozy with Natalie. Leanne can't believe Nick lied about the hair transplant. He's able to cover for it. And there was a great little scene of David walking in and then walking straight back out of the main sitting area at the barbers. Correct. It was, it was gran- great. It was Grandpa Simpson going into the bordello all over again.
1: <laughs> or or, uh, and or like, Homer so- Simpson uh, backing into the bush. That meme.
0: It was, it was more the Grandpa meme, I think. But what he should have done is walked in, took his hat off... Walked in a circle, <laughs> picked his arm back up again, and then walked out.
1: really like David wore a hat.
0: So that seems to be the Natalie thing.
1: Kind of sorted.
0: Kind of sorted for now. Yeah. But it's just a week's trial. So, what are they going to do during the week to try and get her to sling her hook? Because that's what they want her to do ultimately, right? Because oh, she knows what, too much.
1: That's what Nick wants her to do.
0: David couldn't give a shit, I don't yeah, think.
1: Yeah, David doesn't care. And David's just happy to have somebody else there to help.
0: And with the work. And somebody's sweeping up that isn't his mum.
1: Right. Yeah, where was Gail? She's a, supposed to be a, answering the phone.
0: At a conference, maybe.
1: <laughs> for phone answers.
0: Our final story for tonight. It's ran a y'all. <sighs> I was quite pleased with that. ran If
1: you say so. I could
0: <laughs> On Sunday, Gary's on the phone threatening Peter. He wants his money now, damn it. Sarah kind of overhears, but he tells her that he's chasing work. Then Kate's talking to Daniel. She can't make the baby thing that he's got going on as she has to organise the memorial for tomorrow. Daniel's fine with this and gives her a hug and then she sees something weird on her phone. Lolly. She wants to come to the memorial. Kate texts back, telling her to go fuck herself and then she makes up with Imran. Was Lolly in this week? Yeah. My
1: God, that feels so long ago. It was a long time ago.
0: <laughs> Sarah is worried about money. She's going to look for some temp work but she's concerned they're not going to get through this. Gary says he's on it and tells her it'll be okay. This is what Gary says quite a lot. He's on it.
1: Yeah, it's not
0: true. Imran's in Roy's roles looking at flats for rent in the paper. Then in comes Toya, who's disappointed that he seems to have decided himself that she doesn't want to stand by him. She's thought about it and she does want to be with him and help him through this. Imran is made up about this, as am I.
1: Yeah, it was nice.
0: Then Kate gives Carla a call and leaves a message asking for her to be back for the memorial and then she sees Lolly. Lolly wants to apologise, but Kate isn't interested. And is in the area, and he blames her for Rana dying. Yeah,
1: it's it's all your fault. Because if it weren't for you, the dress wouldn't be messed up. Blah blah blah. But we all know the show would have gotten Rana into that factory one way or the other. <laughs> yes.
0: Lolly wants forgiveness, but doesn't get it, so nope. slinks off. And if that's the last we're going to see of her, it was a pretty damp squib. Yeah, it was kind of sad. Her, wasn't it?
1: i was kind of sad that that was the end because she was good she's a good actress mm-hmm. she's fun. funny mm-hmm. the character at least in the beginning was interesting until she started getting weird
0: yep just messed people up that was good
1: yeah yeah and it's good to have somebody like that because oh, usually it. it's beth who does that sort of thing but beth has been kind of not like that lately yeah, she's
0: on the qt a little bit mm-hmm. just helping
1: and tracy tracy's been significantly less evil this year
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's up with that
0: Kate tells Imran that he should probably drop the Carla thing. All that anger isn't going to bring Rana back, and Imran knows that she's right and agrees to drop it. At home, Gary's looking through the house for something. Money, probably. Then Peter is yeah. at the door. He didn't get as much for the boat as he wanted. It's only 9,000. And Gary is pissed, but Peter says, Take it or leave it, mate. Gary uh, takes the cash and slams the door in Peter's face.
1: That burnt up boat that wasn't good for anything that would have to be scrapped. He got $9,000 No,
0: it? He bought another boat. Oh, that's right. And then immediately right. sold that other boat.
1: Yeah, that makes much more sense.
0: Back at number one, Peter confirms to Carla that he thinks Gary will keep his mouth shut. Then in comes Ken, who thinks it was great that the left as tensions are still high about the roof. Carla wants to go see Kate, but Peter tries to talk her out of it. Carla, though, is having none of this. In the builder's yard, Rick shows up for his money. Gary gives him the 9000 and tells him that there's no way that he can get any more rick is a reasonable man but gary is now rick's bitch you work for me now and he tells gary that he'll be in touch
1: that's not foreboding at all is it
0: no then on monday everybody loves a scotch egg says johnny who was on the toilet at the time
1: (laughs) that's so gross and jenny's like no scotch
0: eggs
1: (laughs) And, and jenny rightly so is like boy these people are are muslim they don't eat pork why are you serving Scott to eggs at a memorial for a Muslim?
0: Yep. Kate seems to be having problems keeping it together ahead of today's memorial. In comes Carla to see Kate and they hug. Turns out that the memorial is in the metaphorical community garden. Kate tells Imran Everything's that, in the metaphorical that Carla's <laughs> back and Imran wants her nowhere near it. Kate points out that Carla is her sister. Wayne is walking by and Imran tells him he can find Carla in the pub. Imran reckons Carla is going to need a lawyer. So, so Carla's back in Roy's roles and Roy's relieved to see her. In comes Peter and she tells him that Wayne wants to see her at the police station. Peter insists that she sticks to their story, but Carla doesn't look convinced and goes off to find painkillers, leaving Peter to ask Roy to tell Wayne to back off Carla.
1: Yeah, hasn't she been through enough blah, 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 blah?
0: Wayne's chatting with Roy. Roy's worried about Carla. She's had a tough year with the kid in the Aiden, and Roy wonders if it's absolutely necessary to keep questioning her. Wayne, quite rightly tells Roy to keep his nose out. This is his job, he can't be influenced and this is all overheard by Imran who determines from this that Carla is definitely hiding something. I was quite surprised that Roy decided to do what Peter asked. Because he doesn't like Peter.
1: No, nobody likes Peter because Peter has a small penis. And
0: this is clearly wrong. Although I'm sure that's not why Roy dislikes him. (laughs) Oh, if only your penis was bigger, Peter. That's not what it's about.
1: No, but I mean, Roy does still hold some affection for Carla and I think he does think that Carla's been through a really rough year yep. so but it's it's just it's a very unroy thing to do
0: so Carla is being interviewed by Wayne and actual real police officers she's insisting that she didn't know anything that was wrong with the roof and that Gary didn't tell her anything about the structure or the joists Wayne finds this hard to believe
1: and, then, you know, and she repeats that Gary's not a roofer. And they tell her that about the joists and Feelin and stuff.
0: Then Carla's back in the rovers. She lets Imran and others know that Pat Phelan used joists that were too short. He cut corners. Imran reckons that Carla's lying about something and reveals that he heard Roy asking Wayne to back off.
1: And Carla's surprised at this. Yeah,
0: she claims it to know nothing about that.
1: Because she didn't.
0: Kate wants Imran to back off. This was his sister, he says. Yeah, and that was my wife, says Kate. No, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't your wife. (laughs) If Imran finds out that Carla knew anything about that roof, he'll see her behind bars. Then back home, Carla bites Peter's head off for getting Roy involved. He's just made everything worse. Carla is sick of lying and questions why she let Peter get involved in all this. Then Peter is wearing an awful bracelet. Peter insists that she isn't responsible, but she knew the roof was unsafe and she can't keep facing Kate knowing what she knows.
1: He's very slowly turning into a pirate.
0: (laughs) Yes, he's Captain Haddock, definitely, from Tintin.
1: Just as racist.
0: She goes off to tell Kate and Peter chases after her. Kate approaches Carla in the street and asks Carla to come back to Kate's flat for her support. Uh, Back at Kate's, Carla has found a vino. She's got a nose for finding vino wherever she goes.
1: Right, yeah. She can't find tea to make a cup of, but she found some wine.
0: Yep. Kate gets a text from Imran, he's not coming to the Memorial. Kate wants to cancel, but Carla insists not, and then they're going to get wired into that wine and have a chat about everything. Then Robert comes out of his flat, checking his phone, and then stops and looks shifty. The Memorial is underway. Robert and Imran are listening in to Kate spout something about the secret garden. She thanks everyone for coming along, especially Carla, who she tells not to blame herself, which makes Robert laugh out loud. Chuckle. The corner's close ranks on Robert, but he insists that she knew the roof was unsafe. This gets Imran interested, and Carla can't answer Kate when she asks if that's true. And can't look her in the eye. Of course she knew, says Imran, and Carla says she didn't know it would collapse, but she knew there was a problem with the roof. She's so sorry. Beth and Kirk are outraged, and so is Kate, who storms off. Imran chases after her, and when Peter tries to stop him, Imran punches him on the nose.
1: It was in the... Yeah, he... Peter has a black eye for the rest of the week. It's
0: awesome. It was, I love, I've watched that back three or four times. It it's was just, so good. Just beat it. Boom. <laughs> Telling him he was involved too and they'll both get to jail.
1: Wah-ha-ha. Then
0: Beth and Kirk are in the rovers and they let Sarah know that Carla knew the roof wasn't safe. They ask if Gary knew about it and he denies it. Nick listens in and sees Gary and Sarah whispering about it. Then Carla for whatever reason is still hanging around the community garden and Kate throws the wine bottle at her feet and tells her she'll never see Rana again thanks to Carla. Later on at home, Roy is lecturing Carla, lies upon lies. Carla didn't want Roy involved in any of this but Roy refuses to collude in this any further and he'd be grateful if Carla would leave. And Kate and Imran are at the police station to make a statement to Wayne who isn't a policeman. Carla knew about the roof and Wayne is uber interested in this. Yes, he is. So this takes us to Wednesday. Peter turns up at Roy's with breakfast for oh, Carla. Wednesday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carla says that Roy can't look her in the eye and Peter is of the opinion that he'll come round in time. Go fuck
1: cont- yourself, Peter.
0: <laughs> and he continues to try to look on the bright side that simply doesn't exist. No. In comes Roy and he's obviously still angry with Carla but he Correct. tells her to eat something. Then Nick is with Sarah and Gary getting their stories straight. There's no paper trail here. It was all in Gary's head. And Nick finds this ridiculous, but...
1: But also a good thing. It
0: serves them well. Nick doesn't think Carla will drop them in it and everything will be fine if they all just stick to their stories. After Nick leaves, Sarah says, imagine how much worse this would be if you'd taken that bribe. Then Gary gets a text from Rick. You'll have some work from next week. Stay by your phone, sweet cheeks. Ew. Then Michelle and Kate are talking about a dream Kate claims to have had where she and Rana were watching a quiz show. Peter comes in asking if they wouldn't mind not going to the police.
1: <laughs> After they've already gone to the police. And it's just like, Peter, just...
0: just stick just... out of this! How many times you you have to be told just to stick out of it? Seriously. Too late, Your bum says Kate, who's amused to see Pete so outraged about it. And she chucks him out. Yeah. Wayne and Roy have a very brief conversation about the investigation and also the investigation into RP, and they agree to meet later. Then Nick, Gary and Sarah are at Roy's rolls. Nick thinks Gary is paranoid, but Gary is the one who told Carla about the roof. If she confesses to knowing that there was something wrong, she's going to have to drop his name into the conversation. Nick isn't so sure about that and sets off to see her. So upstairs, Carla tells Nick that the buck stops with her. She's the one responsible. Nick says that he's got a fantastic life and he doesn't want Carla to do anything to jeopardise it. The truth won't set her free, it'll lock her up, and he basically wants her to tell a version of the truth that doesn't involve him or Gary.
1: Yeah, and this is... This is rather cold of Nick, isn't it? Here, Rana. Has, oh, hugely, yeah. Rana has lost her life. Kate's life is ruined. Carla's life is ruined. And Nick's kind of like, what do I care? I finally have a good life. Yep. I like my life. <laughs> I don't want anything to go wrong in my life, so I don't really care. Ugh, it just, it's spooky how how dark he gets. Yeah, if he's in not in this storyline, as opposed to kind of the goofy older brother in the other storyline.
0: Yeah, if he's not the culprit to this, he's certainly shown himself to be pretty, pretty dark.
1: He knows something. If he's not, if he's not the only culprit, he knows something that he's not talking about. Something's going on.
0: Peter's back home. He has a surprise. He's going to take her away for a few days, and he tells her to pack. <laughs> <laughs> He also says that she's got Kate's blessing.
1: Which is a lie!
0: And she's not going to go to the police.
1: Which is a lie! <laughs> she's already gone to the police!
0: Carla says Kate needs justice. And Kate's got Johnny, says Peter, quite pointlessly. And they've got each other. He insists that they leave, but she tells him to GTF. Then Kate and Jasmine are walking down the street and have a brief chat with Nick about where he's quickly absolved of all blame. Then Kate sees Carla. Waiting on your boyfriend, she asks romance isn't dead unlike my wife says Kate yeah, she she's wasn't, not your wife. Wasn't your wife she wasn't your wife then the police come round the corner sirens and lights on for some reason and, right, to arrest, to Carla. <laughs> and arrest Carla and arrest Carla on suspicion of gross negligence manslaughter Nick, Sarah, Gary and Kate and Roy all watch her get carted off Carla's being interviewed by a copper and Wayne again for some reason she confesses that she knew the roof was unstable three weeks ago and she had someone look at it and she can't remember his name, but it wasn't John Gary, something. it was John or Jim or something. Because Somebody Gary wasn't a, a roofer. The door. Gary wasn't a roofer. Carla didn't tell anyone else. She as good as killed Rana. This is all her fault. Can I make this any clearer for you?
1: And then they let her go for some reason.
0: Yeah, it always rolls. Gary asks Roy if he knows if Carla's still at the police station. He doesn't.
1: And And he's really agitated that people keep asking him this.
0: And he just gets more and more agitated. Meanwhile, Peter is on the phone with the police trying to get some information and gets angry when they refuse to tell him. Peter hopes Roy's happy. In general, asks Roy... Oh,
1: Peter, shut up!
0: For this particular moment. Wayne has hauled Carla down to the station. This is the
1: closest you're ever going to get to Roy saying, go fuck yourself.
0: Roy doesn't know anything about it. And Peter takes exception to this. Then Kate and Johnny fill in and ran about Carla getting nicked. Johnny wants to go see her, she's still his daughter after all, and Kate is outraged at this. She'd quite happily see Carla dead. You don't mean that. Yeah, you don't know. In Roy's roles now, Johnny is asking if he's heard anything about Carla. Ronnie's... Ronnie? fuckers, fuck <laughs> is Ronnie? Roy is beginning to get a bit pissed off about all this. In comes Carla. Johnny just wanted to check if she's okay, and refuses an invitation for a chat. Gary, though, he wants a word with her, and Sarah, much to Gary's chagrin, insists on coming with. Yeah... He says he's got it. You've said that before, she says. Correct. Carla confirms she kept his next name out of it. So as far as she's concerned, they have no further business together. Sarah has some more questions, though, while Gary wants to leave. And of course, Carla lets it slip that Gary got his money.
1: Yeah, you got your money. Just relax. And Sarah's like, what?
0: She's sick of the lies and she storms out. Roy hears them argue as they leave the the cafe. Mary is there and wonders what that was all about. Then in comes Wayne and Mary is very much of a cougar to him. She calls him a mixture between a firefighter and an architect with a dash of private investigators thrown in for a bit of glamour.
1: Yeah, she seems to take a shine to, to, to Wayne. Yeah, and Wayne mm. has absolutely
0: no idea how to react to this. No. Then he comes and Rand wanting to know why they let Carla out.
1: And what are you doing here, Wayne? You're supposed to be investigating blah 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 blah.
0: Wayne says he can't discuss it and ponders getting a t-shirt made with that slogan on it.
1: Which was funny.
0: She confessed. What more do they need? Wayne tells Imran to get out of his face and let them go on with this investigation and Imran says that he's gunning for Carla in a room full of witnesses
1: Right
0: Peter doesn't care about Gary and by the way thanks for lying about Kate, says Carla Peter wanted her away from this but she's incredulous her fucking factory fell down (laughs) (laughs) she cooperates she doesn't do a runner, that's what happens in these situations Right he was trying to protect her and she tells him just please stop lying and and stop asking people to
1: protect me because you're just making it worse and nobody asked you nobody asked you
0: roy's home and is deliberately noisy to wake carla up because she's having a wee nap he
1: slams the drawer it was great
0: he's still very cold with her she apologizes for him getting in the middle of this and then in comes peter oh (laughs) and in peter and just know this is going to get worse and it does Roy says a woman is dead and all they care about is ditching the responsibilities. Peter says, you can't talk to Carla like that. And Roy's flabbergasted. I'll say whatever I want in my own house. And Peter continues to be an idiot and Carla tells him to shut up.
1: And then we get angry Roy again who yep. yells at Peter and at Carla and tells her to GTF and take your slobby pirate boyfriend with you. <laughs> he's quite right. I mean, who does Peter think he is?
0: This is a, the third or fourth time he's tried to Tell Roy what to do in his own house.
1: house. Yeah.
0: Then there's a nice little scene though where she thanks Roy for everything that that he's done for her, and she goes off to pack. And it looks like Carla's going to be moving in with Peter and Ken. Y- Yay. Yay! Roy deserves a quiet life, she says. Then Kate happens by and is amazed that Carla's moving next door. Peter again starts to get aggressive with whoever has a problem with Carla, and once again Carla has to tell him to button it. Kate calls Carla a murdering bitch. And no one wants her here, and then leaves her to it. Peter, quite amazingly, says Kate will come round, and he promises to stand by her. Ah. Uh, Kate's got to come round. Yeah, got to be fine.
1: It'll be fine. She'll for, she'll forget that you know you killed her fiance.
0: Give it the weekend. Then on Friday, Peter is still continuing to do the comforting act with Carla again. Would you like him to put some jam on it? Ew. Peter's birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Ken has gotten him a card and some money see this is the second time that Ken has gifted money to a relative but Cal- at least this time he admits that it's kind of gauche to be giving money to somebody for their, for their birthday, he didn't have the decency to say that to Bertie <laughs>
0: <laughs> he doesn't mind Oh, who doesn't mind, oh Peter doesn't mind that Carlos forgot and says that she can buy him something next year Next year she says she'll be behind bars. Hopefully. They want to go out for dinner. That's Ken and Peter.
1: Right, yeah. Ken suggests they go to the bistro and Carla's like... Are you sick? What planet are you people from if you think it's okay for me to go walk into the bistro
0: right now? Why am I the only one being sensible here?
1: <laughs> when this is all my... Jeez. ...issue. what? And they might as well have suggested that they go out for a pint at the Rovers. Yes. It's just... What are you thinking? They're not. Oh, all you need is a nice meal at the, at the bistro. Ken seems to have no problem with the fact that Carlo was negligent with her factory. No. He seems to be the only one besides Peter who thinks this is okay.
0: And m- maybe dinner will sort this out. What? A couple of glasses of champers. What? Brian comes into Roy's Rolls doing a vaguely offensive Egyptian dance. And yes, it was okay when Susanna Hoffs did it. He's been doing some research on the back of Wayne's flimsy legwork and he has some interesting details on this RP thing. But Roy has already discovered everything Brian has. It was made in Cairo in the 50s, in 18 karat gold. Brian is annoyed that Wayne is working with us on Roy without Brian being involved. Roy pretends that he appreciates Brian's involvement. Brian wants to go to Egypt, but Roy insists the answer is in the library.
1: Let's go to Egypt? Yep. What?
0: He's got a fez and everything. Carla catches Johnny on the street. He advises her away from Kate. She insists it was an accident and he believes her. She took a chance and it backfired. She's going to have to live with the consequences, but she doesn't know if she can. He advises her to learn from this mistake and do better. And And Johnny seems to uh, just ignore the fact that Carla has said that she doesn't think she can live with this.
1: And he also, but he also does say to her, look, look, you, um, you took a risk, but... At such great odds that maybe you should have thought better of taking this risk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but he seems to gloss over the whole, I can't live with this part.
0: Ken is at home with Carla. She wishes she could make it right with people. Ken tells her that she can't erase the past. You change what you can change, he advises, like the future of the factory. The knicker people are worried about their jobs. Saying sorry won't (laughs) buy forgiveness.
1: The knicker people...
0: We don't, we don't have time for a Knicker People story this week, <laughs> Helen, okay? We just need to stay
1: focused. Oh, I was going to... Much was,
0: as I'd uh, like to learn more about gonna, the backstory of the Knicker People. I was going
1: to connect the Knicker People with the, with the tethered...
0: Well, but, well, next week. Okay, fine. The Knicker People are waiting at the rovers for Nick to show up. They all seem a bit pissed. Then Nick turns up and thanks for showing up and he promises them a drink, but it'll be a while before the factory is open again. No one's getting laid off because he's seen an industrial unit in Bury. Nobody
1: n- wants to go to Bury. The
0: Nicker people aren't impressed. The travel expenses won't make it worth their while. Then in comes Carla. She may have a better idea. And but Izzy and Beth don't want Carla's bloodstained money. Nick tells her, you're not helping. No. She insists that she just wants to save their jobs. So the Nicker people get their pound of flesh out of Carla. She's doing her best here to get them back on their feet. And she didn't know any of this was going to happen. In Roy's roles, Brian can sense that Roy is troubled and Roy's having conflicts over Carla and Wayne. He loves Carla, but what she did was reprehensible and deplorable and he feels bad for chucking her out. Their moral compasses are so out of sync and Brian thinks that Roy's a difficult man to measure up to. Maybe getting away for a bit to Egypt and focus on something else might not be a bad idea.
1: And he says that Roy doesn't have a moral compass. He has a moral GPS. Which I thought was very (laughs) clever.
0: (laughs) Carla's idea is to temporarily turn into a distribution centre and packing. And Sean notes that this is what she wanted to do all along a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. She, she just wants to do it until they can become a factory again, which is what Nick wants them to become. Right. Then next speed dial, uh, Kate is floating the idea of Ranamorial 2, the return of Ranamorial.
1: Ugh, and it's like, why?
0: To Alia, Imran and Yasmin. Imran, thankfully, isn't keen, but Kate thinks the last one was, uh, the... <laughs> was the oral equivalent of Fire Festival. It was a farce. Do it properly this time. Just us four. Right. Everything else got in the way. Let's share some memories in the metaphorical community garden. Imran doesn't think he can do that with Carla walking free. Yasmin says, what Kate is asking me to do is put your anger aside just for this uh, event.
1: 45 minutes that so we could just do right now. Yep. You just want to talk here. around in just a circle. Just do it here. We could just talk now
0: he'll <laughs> he'll try
1: we're all together now
0: we're talking just now <laughs> our calendars are free but no we've got to get a sheet and, up and get a projector and all that and, pish. and
1: play some music
0: then then comes Nick and Carla they ask Jasmine if they can rent the community center this is not about a lack of respect but they have a workforce to look after Imran doesn't think the Nicker people will agree to work for Carla <laughs> Mm, I just, just.
1: and it and, and then seems quite upset that they have already a- agreed to do so because Imran doesn't seem to think that anybody else on the street deserves to be able to make money
0: Yep. so Imran storms out at the community garden Kate and Alia and Imran are having memorial too. For all the difference it it makes is Imran, no one cares. The people could have died and even they don't give a shit Alia doesn't <laughs> think this is a reflection on their feelings for Alia Kate wants to stop the obsession with Carla and make this about Rana. People
1: have children that they need to provide for and everything, and not all of them have a spouse working somewhere else. I mean, poor Kirk and Beth. Yep.
0: But bringing Carla to justice is all he can do for her now, and he understands if Kate doesn't feel the same way. Wait, what? Says Kate. Blood thicker than water. And she insists that Rana was her everything, and if he doesn't believe it, then she'd like him to fuck off. Phew. Phew. Memorial 3 for next week, do you think? But no, because Alia starts up a video slideshow of some of the moments when Kate and Rana weren't crying or arguing with each other or trying to sleep with Adam to get knocked up or letting Lolly do her best to screw up their wedding. (laughs) It's a reasonably short video. (laughs) Imran looks initially captivated, and Kate does that thing where she's laughing and crying at the same time.
1: Right, yeah, because there are some slides with, with Imran in them. And, yep. and there's this really sweet slide that I guess is supposed to be Imran and Rana as babies and stuff. and mm-hmm. So he smiles a wee bit, but then he hardens back up and leaves.
0: Yep. Then Roy has called over Brian, but he's not leaving for Cairo. He's leaving for Portsmouth. Maybe he can take Peter with him. Roy says it's a logical starting point as the soldiers who were based during the Suez crisis have their archive in Portsmouth. Brian calls it a long shot. Then Roy gets into his cab and off he goes.
1: More of a long shot than, oh I don't know, a whole way. country of <laughs> Egypt? To Egypt? Brian just wants to go to Egypt on Roy's dollar.
0: Yep. And then Carla or sees pound. us and asks Brian when he'll be back, but Brian's got no idea. Then the Knicker people come rushing down the street to the community centre and Imran is outraged. They could all be in their graves now thanks to Carla, the woman who murdered Rana. The Knicker people insist that they're working for Nick, not Carla, and this changes nothing. And all the while this is happening, there's a great effect where ghosts of Carla's expression seem to dart across the screen and there's muffled noises. Then all of a sudden, the camera cuts to a wider shot from above and Carla is all alone on a dark and damp Coronation Street. And that is how we end this week's episodes.
1: Yay!
0: So this was a kind of first little glimpse that Carla might be losing it.
1: Yeah. Because
0: she was so detached from everyone as they're having a go at her, and Imran's having a go at her, and the Nicker people are doing the same, and really nobody's got her back here, and Roy's just left, and all she has is peer, <laughs> potentially Ken. Ken.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Because her dad doesn't want to talk to her. No. Kate wants her dead. Yeah. Aldia hasn't really said anything to her, has she?
1: No, which is funny because remember, Alia was screaming at Sally in the street.
0: <laughs> yes. Maybe oh. she was, I don't know, maybe she was in a difficult place something.
1: Right. Well, you know, and of course, of course Carla is going to to break down at all of this, isn't she? She's going to have a mental breakdown because... cut the bottle. Yeah. she The poor wee lass. Her poor wee head. Poor wee feminine head. Can't handle all of these pressures.
0: She does have an awful lot on her shoulders at the moment, though. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Well, you think she should just man up?
1: Yeah, she's usually she's usually tough as nails in situations like this.
0: But she's never usually in as much of a hole where it's something has been pretty much her fault.
1: Right, and she's more or less homeless at the moment. I think it would be better if P- Peter wasn't there. Yeah. I think if if Peter hadn't made things demonstrably worse. No she would have gone to the police sooner. But she may not have but she may not be in as much trouble as she is now. They wouldn't have bribed Gary. They could have sorted it out better.
0: My feel is it's still Peter is still up to something here. I don't believe this act. One little bit. I think he, he's a- he's being uh Obstructive and making things worse, and I think he might be doing so deliberately.
1: I don't think so. I think he's just.
0: This is affording him more intelligence than I normally do, but that, that's I where I think, think this is so. going.
1: I think, like I said, I think the whole tragedy makes people recognize the things that they really care about, but at the same time, he's just making things so much worse. But remember, he was kind of like this he's kind of been a dick before
0: oh yeah more often than not
1: yeah yeah we had that kind of nice period where he wasn't quite a dick
0: when he was banging abbey
1: right and even before that like the whole thing about the um snooker table place the snooker hall hall Hmm. and everything and that nice thing with the new year's and everything if Ken had just brought his own damn mints and gone to the bathroom before he left the house, <laughs> none of this would have happened.
0: Ken's inflated prostates to blame for all of this.
1: And also, when did Peter buy this boat? Because he was just going to go look at the boat and buy the boat. And then they never even got there because he, get, he got the phone call, right?
0: No, none of this makes no, I think any he bought sense. It. I think he bought it before he left.
1: And he was just going to pick it up? mm mm-hmm. oh, So he bought it sight unseen?
0: Sure. Has your opinion about any of the other potential suspects changed?
1: I still think Robert's involved somehow. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think Gary and Seb are involved, but I'm really afraid that Gary and Seb are the ones who are going to take the fall for this in the end.
0: Oh, the wrong person will initially get blamed for it, definitely. Yeah.
1: Because eventually they're going to find out that Gary really was the one who was telling Carla she needed to to get things fixed. Because they're not going to be able to find John Jim. Who doesn't exist. No.
0: Jim Slosh John.
1: And then they're going to find out. His mother's name was Slash. And then. <laughs> and then they're going to find out that Peter paid off Gary. To keep his mouth shut. Because. If Carla goes down for this. Then the whole reason why Peter paid Gary off in the first place is. Null and void. So he has no reason To not throw Gary under the bus. That's
0: already pointless. Because Carla's confessed.
1: Right. Right. But if she hadn't confessed and, you know, Peter was trying to get her to not confess. So I have a feeling that Peter's going to throw Gary under the bus next week.
0: Oh, I don't think anything's moving that quickly.
1: Something's going to happen next week. Oh, oh, we're going to have a magic show, I think, next week. What? (laughs) And Sean is going to be the assistant. To Tim's dad. Oh. Who's going to cut Emma in half.
0: How do you know this? Why, why do you... We, we don't do spoilers.
1: I saw a picture that Coronation Street had put on Twitter, and I thought it was going to happen this week. Because they posted it, like, last week. Ugh. It's weird. But, you know, I just wanted to give that tidbit, because it has to have absolutely nothing to do with anything. And it'll just annoy you, because <laughs> it's amateur magic.
0: Uh, that's Tim's dad he's a tit. Those two things don't really go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Moment of the week. Uh, some I've... far too much happened this week.
0: I'd like to talk about the culprit things for more but I think we've been talking about this long enough. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Far too much happened this week. They try, They shoved far too many storylines and too much going on this week. For example... Tim had a heart attack this week, <laughs> and we kind only of talk me, about it. it on Monday.
0: Lolly left, and I thought that happened at least last week.
1: Yeah. So it's just, it's tough.
0: I think that if we ever needed- Angry a, Roy? A, if we needed a demonstration of eight episodes a week doesn't work, Yeah, it's this week. Yeah. Far too much.
1: I'd like to say Angry Roy, but Angry Roy has been our our moment of the week before, so I'd like to give it to something else.
0: I quite enjoyed Ken's chat with Carla on Friday, where he did more good than his stupid son did for the rest of the week. He at least told her, you know, focus on what you can do. Do what you can do. Focus on the factory. Focus on other people.
1: I'd like to give it to something other than this storyline, though. Can we give it to, um, Paul and Billy? Walking down the street delivering papers and being cute. Uh, I mean, it wasn't the greatest acting, but it was such a, sw- it was such a sweet shot of them walking down the centre of just that whole thing and then them
0: Yeah, sure. Why talking
1: not? talking in uh, I don't think, the rovers.
0: I don't think Paul or Billy have ever been Moment of the Week before.
1: Yeah, let's give it to Paul and Billy because they're adorable and I want that relationship to stick.
0: Okay, so that is our Moment, Moment of the, of the week. week. Moment of the Week. Now conversely The boring The, 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 the boring, boring most of the Woman of the Week.
1: <sighs> so much happened this week.
0: <laughs> yes. Tim had a heart Tim attack. Tim had a
1: heart attack. Uh um talking about talking about Easter bonnets and going to the Easter the hat museum.
0: I thought the whole bit on Wednesday about Tim's dad and the broad beans was just ungodly dull.
1: It was just a joke that took far too long to to it took on. like
0: five scenes to tell. And each one of them was as boring as the last. And,
1: and again, it was set up in September.
0: Yep. That's arguably too long a payoff. I don't think even Stuart Lee would wait that long for a punchline.
1: <laughs> yeah, but was it really boring I was bored.
0: It bored me, certainly.
1: Brian shouting out his affirmations and then Tim's dad getting his comeuppance and Yasmin giving Well, that all happened the- on
0: Friday. I'm talking about Wednesday.
1: So just the stuff on Wednesday? Yeah. Which was what?
0: Which was all those puns. Tim's broad beans are actually shit. He buys them from the supermarket. Tim's he pret- dead. He pretends that they're his. And then he gives them to Brian.
1: Oh, and he shows them to Alia and Yasmin, who praise him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right.
0: That is our
1: boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week.
0: Yeah, we started earlier than normal, so it's only 10 o'clock. But shall we wrap this up?
1: Yes, because i got kids to put to bed.
0: If you think you've been affected by the rage of the Nicker people, then there are certainly a number of ways you can tell us about it. On email and Skype, We're the talk of the street at gmail.com. <laughs> see see when you laugh silently, it's like nobody's laughing, it's just me <laughs> laughing at myself. Well, we're, if
1: I had laughed out loud, then LaCroix was going to come out of my okay. nose.
0: Uh, just on email and skype with the talk of the street at gmail.com we are at cory podcast on twitter and facebook and i actually wrote a blog post at the talk of the street podcast.wordpress.com so go check that out if you're a blog reading sort of person
1: and if you want to wish gav well for his naturalization ceremony in two weeks time feel free to do that on on our twitter or if you want to Tweeted him directly. He is at Gaviano.
0: Don't do that because we've already established that. I'll never look at it. Do a Corey podcast or Fine. on the Facebook page.
1: Yeah, I want people to follow you too, though.
0: I don't care. <laughs> Good for that. I don't mind. Thanks for making it to the end of another podcast. We'll be back hopefully more concisely next week with more talk of the street. Bye. Bye. Bye.